0: For it to be really good, I think you need you need to offer the reader some vulnerability, there, or something personal should be hidden in there somewhere. One of my favourite quotes is by J.P. Dunleavy and he says that writing is turning your worst moments into money.
1: That was Shane Burke. This is from the Maker to the Made podcast. listening to from the maker to the maid podcast hello 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 you're very welcome back back to from the maker to the maid it's back after a prolonged hiatus um things happened a lot's happened Uh, The world has gone weird now. Everybody is in isolation and dealing with coronavirus. And yeah, at home. How are you holding up? Me, as a working musician, all of my work is uh, stalled. There's no more social gatherings of people. So that means we're at home. We're hanging out at home. So in my studio a lot, but I hope there'll be a return to some semblance of normality soon. As an artist, I'm trying to see more of the positive things. Uh, it's a good time, I feel, to make art and improve on the craft. Improve on your craft a little bit more. Whatever it is that you're into, photography or acrylic painting or script writing, or it's all good. So I'm trying to do that write more, record more, generally put my solitude to good use. I think most creative people already have a certain amount of an aptitude for spending time alone, but it's not easy not to be able to see people. So I keep reminding myself that this too shall pass and trying to turn to the things that I know are helpful. So whatever that means to you, if it's meditation, yoga, playing guitar, reading, I think whatever serves best to calm your mind, then it's a good thing. And if you can make something in this time, then do. I really believe that some of the greatest art was created in times of the hardest adversity. Um, and it, art is what people turn to, to help them understand the inexpressible. And we are most certainly in inexpressible times. So what you will create now is needed for people more than ever. So remember, stay indoors and wash your hands. Be safe. This week on the show is a conversation I had with Shane Burke, recorded back in January pre-coronavirus. Shane is a playwright, short story writer and a producer. In 2011, he founded the Run Amok Theatre Company. He has a quartet of plays, Flipside, Forget Me Not, Old Flames and The Horse Trading Diaries. He uses a blend of easygoing humor and astute character observations combined with a natural and effortless writing style to explore relationships and even historical themes, such as a visit by Che Guevara to County Clare. We talked autobiographical nature of writing for characters, the balance between character and your story, collaboration, editing, rewrites, Ernest Hemingway, the reality of being a playwright in a small city like Dublin and working with the acting community and managing your expectations. As usual, all the links to Shane's socials and his other relevant links are included in the show notes. Shane's recommendations this week are Dreyer's English, an utterly correct guide to clarity and style, and Tobias Wolf. This boy's life. You can find me at barrypowermusic.com. Sign up for my mailing list, get my ebook where I choose to shine a light. Uh, if you'd like to help support the making of the podcast, there is a Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash Barry Power. Um, and I'll be doing some Patreon related things over the next few weeks and months while we are all in lockdown. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And you'll be hearing more about that. On Patreon. So go check that out. If you'd like to be a guest or you know somebody who might be interested in being a guest, talking about their experience as a creative maker of things, we can do this remotely. So uh, social distancing will be kept intact. Um, drop me an email from the maker to the maid at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. If you've been enjoying the podcast or you know somebody that might enjoy it, Feel free to share it around. We're up to 16 episodes now. So get on that for your daily commute from one bedroom to the other. And if you're feeling really generous, give us a positive review on iTunes. Helps out with the visibility of the podcast and all that. Uh, Check out the show notes. And that's about it. Normal service as regards the podcast is resumed. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks again for listening. Here's Shane Burke. Enjoy it stay safe see you on the next one Shane Burke you're very welcome to from the maker to the maid podcast
0: thank you very much Barry I appreciate, appreciate you inviting me on your show
1: uh, well it's good to have you uh, so first of all who are you tell us about your background
0: well um, my background is I'm from a charming little town called in East Galway. I think you know it. And uh I have been, I suppose, writing, which is what we're gonna talk about today since I was, I don't know, maybe sixteen. Um maybe sort of in a way, probably thinking in those ways from a younger age than that. Like I used to I used to read I used to kind of get my mother to write things down before I could write you know that so I probably always thought in those ways I like, like a lot of kids I like I used to try and imagine my own rolled out stories etc cetera, etc cetera. um but so I started writing plays when I was uh, about 28 and um I put on my first play when i was i think 30 so about 10 years ago so for so roughly for the last 10 years i've i've mainly been writing plays i sometimes write short stories um
1: what was the like What was the main change from kind of regular prose writing to to writing plays was it a conscious decision or just said i want to express myself like that i
0: just i i'd started uh enjoying them i suppose i think one of the first plays I went to see, I was probably like 21. It was a play called Eden by Eugene O'Brien. I think it's Eugene O'Brien. I might have gotten that name wrong, but the play was Eden. Um, and it's still one of my favorite two-hander plays. It was on the Abbey. Um, but so, it was a bit, yeah, so it was a few more years before I started writing them myself. But I guess around that time, early 20s, I just was a bit more aware of of the theater, um, and I remember I was on a, I was on the dart one day, and I had an idea about a, a play. It was, it was a play. The play became Flipside, but it was what what I wanted to do was have a play by two couples who sort of do a house swap with each other in two different countries and kind of revisit each, I guess, their own turmoil in those in the other person's house, but my idea was that it would occur at the same time. It was sort of overlapping themes and stuff. So I really liked the idea. Um and then I just started writing that one. And I, I enjoyed it. I think the plays suit me because I, I like dialogue. Um I like I like to kind of I guess go through things quickly. I like like I like this I like the sound of it. I like I like the the rhythm of it. Uh, prose is good but it's it's kind of it's harder work, I find um it's I shouldn't say necessarily harder work, but it takes me longer. Um and I guess it was oh it seems exciting. It seemed it seemed like the type of thing you could co op you know, work with other people and it, it was a bit more sociable maybe as well. Yeah. So so it's kind of
1: it's like the dialogue driven way of writing suits suits you a lot better.
0: I think it suits me yeah I think it does suit me um probably the way I approach writing is is through a character mainly so most of most of what I write is it comes from a character I always feel like I know the character very well and the the scene I don't necessarily know the, pl- the plot is 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 kind of the the hardest for me to come up with and in a way it's it's the least important for me in the sense that yeah it's i don't like if i look if i look back at the great novels or short stories or or films that i like it's not really the plot that i care about that much it's, it tends to be the characters the the way and it was written
1: do you find like do you enjoy exploring kind of parts of yourself true characters you're right
0: yeah that that's i never had thought about it that way until probably recently it, it's it is a question people ask you, you know, is it, is it autobiographical? They're rarely autobiographical, but I would say my conclusion is that, yeah, probably every character is a part of yourself, of myself. Yeah. I don't know about other people, but I think that's true. And I can, I, 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 the more objective I look at, objectively I look at things I can kind of see, uh, for instance, I just, I finished a, uh, a play it's got it's got three characters two males and a female and i would say every one of those characters is a different aspect of me um which makes sense really considering it's coming well from, it coming is from it is mind. you that's right yeah
1: yeah that's really fascinating though so like what brought you to that kind of you know to that way of expressing I, I yourself? probably
0: oh uh true the I suppose I I really don't know where why. I ever started in the first place, other than. It's 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 a weird like I Sometimes you if you have an idea, it's it can be so vivid. That it just bothers you, um, to not. Explore. It it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it probably is more of an exploring thing. Uh, for example, I've had like I've had an idea for I'd say the last six years now. Uh, for a play which I just haven't gotten around to and I really couldn't tell you much about it other than I, I'm i aware of what the characters are and I can kind of feel those characters um, but I just I, I'm not quite sure but I know the mood I know that I know what who they might be but not where it would go so I suppose it's it's I guess like a bit of a, a puzzle or a mystery for me to just start writing that and and see what That's really interesting,
1: though, because, you know, I suppose from an outsider, you you always think about, surely it's the plot that comes first. But for you, it's like, well, I enjoy these characters and I'll just give them something to do later.
0: That's sort of it. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that a good way of doing things. I mean, but for me, it's the only way like I've often, you know, you you read about people I don't know planning and mapping stories which seems like a really good idea anytime I've ever done that I've gone a completely different direction um so you might like my difficulty later is trying to I guess adjust the plots and stuff but yeah for me it's just a more interesting way of doing it the characters will will feel more real I think
1: and Um, do you find they kind of the characters start to kind of talk to you in a way I do, I do,
0: yeah, let's. They don't talk tell, you, to, tell you what to do. <laughs> they don't talk to me, but they have a they have a, a, a presence for sure. And one thing which is interesting about plays is if you have a really good character now, you know, the type of character who's going to walk into any scene and dominate or change it. A character like that's interesting because. You can introduce them and they will pretty much take the direction of. That's of that scene, um, their own way. Now I don't know, I don't know is that, we well, maybe we can talk about discipline later on. I suppose, but it's there's definitely a difference between that approach where you okay. You can you've got a really good scene, but maybe you've messed up your play, um, because it oh just right. you know like, I've I've noticed as well with uh, just watching plays sometimes, um, the way the way humor can be used um so i uh, i you know i think like plays are mainly about tension so you you can build up tension and humor releases it but sometimes you can see that humor releases it too soon and it ruins the tension that was built up like i've been guilty of that myself so that's like that's something you kind of have to work on and be aware of it's not it's always tempting as well if you're writing something like a comedy or a, a tragic comedy or something or a humorous straight drama that it's. um, You can be tempted by a line which you think is very funny. The audience might think it's very funny, but there's a risk that you might you might have lost something. You'll, in ruin, you'll
1: it. ruin the flow. So I suppose when you think about the overall writing of it, there's so many uh I suppose there's so many different issues to tackle in terms of like when when an actor gets a line they might deliver it, but not quite in a way that you want it, mm-hmm. and also the director might stage a scene in a way that y- you know maybe you hadn't intended. are these like yeah. things that you consciously think about when you when you're writing you know would you say i'm I'm just gonna be really specific about what this character says and the exact way they say it, or are you kind of more happy to? Do you think that would ruin the flow of how you write I suppose? Uh I I don't put a huge amount of
0: stage directions in. I try I try to keep those fairly minimal, particularly with I suppose physical actions. Um and that is partly to I don't want to dictate to actors exactly how it should be. Like when I when I'm writing it I'm not really thinking about actors or a director anyway it's um, it, you know, I'm you pretty much i can see the scene and it's playing out as i would see it um but i've all i've often been really pleasantly surprised when you when you work with actors and they put something in something physically that they're doing maybe at the start of a scene um that isn't in the script so i do like when that happens now that's not to say that i'm not you know to some extent a bit of a a control freak internally or don't always like these things. But yeah, but when you, when
1: you see it like live up there on stage and you like are you tempted to go I need to go home and rewrite that? Yeah. Scene uh, or uh, even maybe change some of the plot. Like is that a Yeah, that's uh I think it's a strange the, thing about collaboration in that way that yes. That other I I suppose other artists don't really Maybe it's like a, a
0: it, it might be like a song actually be like in the sense that it's, it's not something that's, it's not like a novel which is published or a short story, which is published. It's something which is live in front of you. So, and it's, you know, there's nothing really to stop you from going back and tweaking it. So yeah, it, it, that's kind of a problem in one way. I say a problem. It's something, it's something that it would be nice in a way to just neatly wrap it all up. And um, put it away, but, there, but there, it, there was an interesting, I was reading a, um, a writer like, I, I, won't, I can't really remember his name now, <laughs> but um, he's a playwright and he had said something similar that it was, he, he got a taxi back from a, a play and the taxi driver was asking him about it and as he was talking about it, he realised that the last scene was wrong and he went back and he wrote the last scene, this was after, it had been a pretty... Successful run, I think. In I don't know, I don't know, was it Broadway or somewhere off Broadway? Um, so for him, he made the point as well that it's, yeah, it, it it's, it's like a living thing, and um, you can always go like, in fact, Edward Albee has recently gone back to Zoo Story to add, I think, another, um act to it or, and uh, so it's quite common to happen then i guess it is probably common like in a way i it, it, part of me doesn't agree with it but it, part of me thinks it's it's human nature uh, you know because uh, like a play is of its time one of the nice things about it is when the run is on the run is over it's it's gone Um. so you know as a little time capsule it's so it lives Maybe. that way, yeah. It's, it's kind of nice to leave it that way, but I I don't know. I'm in two minds about it, I suppose.
1: Well, it's, that's really fascinating, though, to, as a way of approaching something that you know will be influenced by so many other creative minds. Um, I suppose from a musician point of view, you don't really get that, except for the musicians you have playing it. mm Which I suppose is similar, but you know, quite often they'll stick to the script. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, does that, um, oh yeah. Not to get anyone into trouble or anything, but does does it it annoy you if people go way off?
0: Look, look, I've, okay, so I suppose when you think about it, you write the script. Um, so I've spent ages writing this, the script, this, the script I've written at the moment took me like ages, and we can talk about, you know why it took so long and all the rest but yeah so i try and get it as as perfect as i can in terms of the text and then you if you're going to produce it or or what have you or even just listen to it because that's another really important phase okay you write the text but then you you have to get the actors to read it so you can hear it and then you probably go back and and edit on that basis yeah pre-production um but Let's say you do an audition and you have forty people read the same script. They'll all read it in, in different ways. Some will read it in ways that you you just don't respond to at all, and you know you think, well, you have just murdered it. Yeah. Um, others are going to be like, oh my god, that was brilliant, and they'll you know they read they read parts that they they read parts that maybe you, you'd never even thought were very good and a really. Um, empathetic way or funny way or, or, or whatever and just bring something to it that you never would have thought but when you finally settle on the cast and the director then I think you really see that you're you're really only halfway there with the text and from the writer's point of view that's all you that's all you can do so like I have to be like 100% get that right but the actors really then it's it's it, it is a whole other art form yeah um which works with the tech and that's why it's interesting because you're creating something you're kind of recreating it again on stage um some of it will be different and unexpected um i've always like i've always loved that i've never uh, i've never thought that something wasn't done properly or anything like that
1: um how involved in that process are you like uh, do you sit in on all the auditions do you work no. with the director or you kind of i kind of leave them here's alone. the script and yeah because i don't do think i don't
0: think they really want me <laughs> you know there in the corner uh watching it all but i i i think i've generally been at maybe the first maybe it's like the first or you know um rehearsal just to sort of chat to people about it and and maybe towards the end but i think it's maybe not fair on you know on the director or or the actress to just be free. Yeah. well as as you, to be free, as you say
1: free. you know it's a different art form and the actors yeah. and directors are probably like ah oh, the writer is here it no well, is no is it. it <laughs>
0: is a different art form. and even if i read my own script and tried to be an actor i would also murder it so it's it's complete yeah it is a, it's a completely different art form so they need they need to get on with it sometimes they will ask me a question it might be a plot related or maybe they will ask you know why you know why does she say what's the motivation (laughs) of the character um generally they don't do a huge amount of that
1: though. (laughs) yeah so just in terms of your your actual writing process do you like are you prolific with your writing how do you find the time to do it Mm. what kind of process do you have Uh to write
0: nobody can see my face when you ask that question, but I kind of blew a load of air into the microphone because it, I, I I would say I was prolific. um, Like, so I did a play in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, and then so the, the gap sort of started to widen over the last few years uh, in terms of producing. Now, in, like in one respect, I wasn't that keen to just go back and, you know produce a play or have it stage or or what have you but also i'd started working on one which took me longer um i it was a different style of play maybe i'm very happy with it now but i have no idea what like why it took as long as it did and i've written a few short stories in, in those which is it's what it's about five and a half years would say um you know, other life events and all that sort of stuff. But certainly I couldn't say I, I couldn't, I can't, I can't say that I was prolific over the last five years. Before that, I was. Hopefully, I feel like this year is a, a turning point, probably having finished those. And one thing I was adamant about was that when I finished that play, that the next play would be written much quicker. Like, I just won't allow it to go on and on like that.
1: And do you th- do you think you actually kind of, it indulged a bit of procrastination
0: with yeah with that or some procrastination, some bad habits, some just um not letting something go. There's a lot of rewriting, which isn't in itself bad at all uh but like rewriting redrafting. I just wanted it to sound because it's a it's a it's it's a sort of a I suppose a three person. Monologue play where each character speaks. Um, it, it's so it's a pr- it's sort of a prose style, but it's a, very much like a, an a, an oral style. I wanted it to sound really, um, I suppose, swift. <laughs> yeah. For lack of a better word, smooth. Um, but look, none of those are really, really. It shouldn't have taken as long as it took. Uh,
1: is it finished now?
0: It, it's it's finished now. Well, it's it's finished at my at my part. So now what I need is I need some actors. And I need to hear it and then go back and give it its final few tweaks. Polishing it. And off. then we'll see. But I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm kind of starting to slowly release it into the world, which is is, is nice as well. Um, that's something I, I don't tend to do until it's pretty much finished.
1: So on that note, how do you know when something is finished? Are you good at drawing a line under it and going, that's it. That's the best I can do now
0: yeah uh well i suppose it's kind of like going back to what we were saying about you know is it ever finished but well yeah it's
1: it's that kind of loaded question you know i find there's kind of there's two elements to it one is that you know releasing something you know it's going to be out there in the world and it's for other people to scrutinize it so you kind of hold it back and go uh, it's yeah. not ready yet because absolutely I'm, yeah. I'm worried and then there's like is it actually finished to the point where i think it's done and i need to draw a line under it and go yeah so i always find that, that like there's two strands to that of of releasing things yeah well you're right
0: yeah and the the yeah the first of those not wanting to release it is a, almost like a psychological type of thing because you don't want to release you don't expect you don't release something like you spent so much time and then at the last in the last days weeks months just messed it up because you you put it out and it wasn't perfectly ready but um that so that so that isn't i suppose that is the, the issue um I, I don't know like i feel i feel the, i suppose on a more practical level though i'll know it's finished when i hear it and, I, and there's some distance be- between the writing of it and me just listening to it like a, an audience. You can be more I'd, objective and yeah. try and be more objective. And if I if I hear that, it's not too choppy between the three actors. So that's really practical sort of stuff um, that scenes aren't ending too quickly um, and it just flows well. If I if I hear all that, then I think, well, OK, that's finished.
1: Yeah, and do you do you ever have any periods where you know, uh, you got stuck from something other than, I suppose, procrastination or bad habits, or did you ever have any writers block, any phases where, no, no ideas were coming and you just couldn't?
0: No, I, I do Well, I've never had that kind of writers block where you know you sit down and nothing happens. Um. But I would say, yeah, I would say in a way, you know, procrastination can be almost like writer's block in the sense that avoiding writing can be almost like out of fear of having writer's block. Is a weird? Like, I don't know if any I don't know if other people have that kind of thing, but you can I can certainly that can happen to me, you know, where i don't know why i would think that like where sometimes i think well i don't maybe like if i if i sit down now and go to go to write like what if it's not good or what if it so those kind of doubts i suppose self-doubts confidence stuff like that that can maybe i don't know if if it is exactly writer's block but it's it's as damaging um as as writer's block would be i think
1: yeah yeah it's a complicated i suppose a complicated issue but it hasn't Mm. really affected you in terms of well i mean you know if if a play isn't working out quite how you want it are you you know does is it easy for you to go well uh, that's not really coming together how i want it i might just switch and do some short story writing or some other kind of writing yeah in the meantime yeah
0: i do do that Yeah, i do um i'd usually have like a short story uh at the same time as, as a play yeah and kind of go between one or the other um I'm also trying to be a little bit more disciplined, though, to, to, just to you know, because that's, uh, you know, I also read a couple of books at the same time, which, in a way, I don't know is like a great thing either. I mean, a lot of people do that, but you can end up just, you know, not really fully invested in what. So, I, I'll tell you what how I would like to do it now. Really, is just start a short story and know roughly when i'm going to finish that short story yeah i I think i really think that the practical do you know one of the one of the the writers and books that kind of gives um gives me inspiration in this way is uh ernest hemingway's immovable feast because he was such a practical man you know and i really think that's like so he'd go to a cafe between the hours of you know 11 and one and he'd sit there and he'd, he'd he'd write and he'd The next day he'd come back and he'd read over what he wrote the previous day and he'd kind of work through it, correct it. And then he'd add on, you know, he'd he'd move on from that point. So he just has a very sort of, I guess, no nonsense view of it, you know, writing as a craft or as as a trade like any other. And I do think for me, that's probably one of the the best um, motivations. And it also... It also uh, removes those anxieties like we spoke of earlier, like, well, what if nothing? Happens? Yeah, well, you can still sit there and you can work on what you did the last time and you can rewrite that. And, you know, I imagine almost every time when you start rewriting something you've already written that you will at least add, I don't know, so you're going to at least add a paragraph shortly. Um, so that's a kind of a good. It just takes the pressure off you trying to create something. Yeah, it's just a
1: matter of sitting down and working it.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. for me that works that's one of the, that's that is uh where i've arrived at
1: yeah well it you're you're not the you're not the only person to to say that it's mm. kind of expelling this myth of writer's block as a as something that you know really it's just a psychological uh, block in terms of you know just sit down and write it, yeah i think i know it sounds simple but yeah. even if what you write is not very good your day of writing. Yeah. That's the
0: Yeah. Well I, I, I think so, yeah. And I was talking I was talking to an actor recently actually and he he was saying I don't know, someone had said to him, you know, just go into the room between the hours of let's say six and seven, whatever it is, and just make sure you don't leave that room. So, you know, you're stuck in the room, listen, you can read a book, you can doodle, whatever, mm. but I would imagine Pretty much anyone, one that's stuck in the room and their their laptop is open or whatever, they're going to write. They just do it, yeah. and that that actually helped me finish my short story, which had been going on also for a very long time.
1: Yeah, that's it's fascinating. Is there is there any um is there any big project that you haven't accomplished yet that you'd like to do? Is is there a certain type of play maybe, or is it like a screenplay maybe, or a novel? Mm. A anything? novel
0: I'd be interested in. Yeah, or a novel or a, a book of short stories. But yeah, a novel. Absolutely. You know, um, yeah, I think every write every
1: writer really has a great novel in them. They probably, ultimately they probably do. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see. Yeah,
0: I, I, look, I probably, you know, I, they say every person has a novel and, and that's probably true as well. Um if you think that every individual person has unique experiences, They see the world in a different way to anyone else. If they can translate that onto a page, um, I don't see why you can't write a novel. I also find like short stories, short story. I really admire short story writers particularly because um, there's really no room for error within a short story. Whereas even really great novels, they have these sort of flabby parts. You know, Ranked in the me. middle at yeah. the end, it doesn't ruin the novel, but you might have spent 50 pages, you know, with some absolute pile of nonsense. Yeah. yeah.
1: There, there a lot of people disguise things in description.
0: Yeah. Description and or just, you
1: know, parts I mean, There's parts you just want to pull the pages
0: out of. So the the novel is a great, like it's, I think, yeah, probably everyone wants to write one. I'd love to write one. And I really admire people who have because so there's a huge discipline and all the rest. Um... But I've always been attracted to this, this, the the short story format. Also, just because it's it's so difficult. Like I'm nowhere near having ma- mastering or even getting really good at that yet. But it's when when you see it done really well, I think it's a it's, an, it's it is amazing. A um, bit more leeway with the novel, but look, who doesn't want to write a novel?
1: Yeah. Any any ideas what it might be about? No, but you
0: might give me a few before we
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, top five. So just to flip things up a little bit, yeah. um in terms of the practicalities of life as a playwright mm-hmm. in twenty twenty now. Yeah. I mean, is it an easy thing to do to go from your script to the stage? I'd
0: say like the the obstacles are i guess funding is a huge one um and if you look at people who are like full-time theater makers it's really difficult for them like i don't i you know i can't even imagine how actors can live and survive in dublin without at least part-time jobs so there's pressure on actors and i mean that that's the heart and soul of the theatre so if there's on, pressure on actors everyone else is, is going to feel it Um so at that practical level no it's, it's definitely difficult in Dublin to produce uh, a play but that said there's like there really is there's this phenomenal talent like really really great talent so you can find amazing actors in a pretty small city you know they're very well trained and um, they're really enthusiastic so I guess it's it's a little bit of a pity that it's such an expensive thing to do um, and that the money isn't necessarily there. But um, otherwise, it's a, it's a really enthusiastic, very vibrant scene. Uh, I guess a big loss recently was uh, the theatre upstairs and the artistic director, Carl Shields, who had done a huge amount for new writers in, in particular. Um, so something like that, like I'd seen loads of really great plays come out of theatre upstairs and that definitely offered writers, particularly unestablished playwrights, an opportunity to get their plays produced and work with really great actors and, you know, a great director as he was. Um, so that's a massive lot Like it's a really huge loss to Dublin City uh, the new theatre does great work as well. Um, Anthony Fox is the artistic director there, and I would, I would have worked with Anthony on various other plays. So there are
1: spaces, and there's I guess new spaces all the time. When you when you were starting off your your very first play, mm. how did you how did you approach a theatre?
0: Well, I I approached a friend of mine, Irene, first of all, who she just come out of the Gaieties School of Acting. So she was the only actor I, kn- I knew um so i just said well look i've written i've written a i've written a play and what do you think of it and she read it and she liked it and um her her husband now joe boyfriend at the time he was also an actor he he'd, he'd been in the Gaelic school of acting so uh me irene, and joe decided that we'd we stage the play um and she knew anthony sorry andrew deering who uh was he'd just done a masters in, in directing for, for the theater in ucd so i i contacted um andrew and we've we've done two plays together since uh so that's ca- just so kind of was I suppose a, a touch, in a that touch way. of synchronicity about yeah it. and then we, just, we approached the venue which was the pierce the pierce uh center on pierce street um really nice little venue and you know kind of booked it and i guess it's a bit like a musician gigging in a way you know you need the venue but then you need to start thinking about stuff like insurance you need posters um contacting critics like when you're producing really it's a different it's a whole other ball game to writing
1: you were a producer on your plays.
0: yeah um well for three of them and not the other one the other one the other one kind of happened. There was one I did in London, which happened through an actor that I'd asked to audition for. I think another play. I, I can't. I can't remember exactly how it happened. But anyway, I sent her the play. She was in London, um, and she produced that with some other workers there. But yeah, generally, generally in Dublin, I think it's pretty common now. You know, you're like the the writer can be pro- the producer or the writer or the director or the actor. Like it's probably fairly typical at the moment you know i know the the really nice thing would be the sort of you know the i don't know like the martin mcdonough sort of approach back in the mid-90s where you know you're a writer and you send it to somewhere like Druid and they produce and direct and that still happens to an extent but you know that's kind of like winning the lottery i suppose you know I, i think most most of the sort of new plays now um the like the actors might have written it uh, and directed it and produced it. What so
1: yeah, what would what would be your advice for anybody who's who'd like to become a playwright um, well, or a writer in general? Well, just just
0: do it. Uh, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> just yeah. Do it. Yeah, nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. If, if if only some sportswear company came up with that. Um, right. The yeah, like I think you you just. If you, if you I mean if you want to be if you want to be a writer obviously you have to write now no that's I don't mean that to sound kind of like a I presumably these people you know if someone they're writers that, they are writing yeah. anyway uh, but, but if, I, if, I suppose if, more of a uh, kind of practical advice if you want to like make for, a career out of it yeah like
1: what would be one of the the things that you found most difficult that you may not have anticipated initially
0: yeah I'd say you know like well if you just talk about plays um like let's say you you have a a, a, play, a script for play. You don't really know anyone in that. You, know, you don't know any actors, you don't know any directors, you don't know how the hell you'd get a play produced. Like I would uh, try and, I suppose, meet people like, so, so say somewhere like the New Theatre, they've got um, a person who's dedicated to new writing. So contact that person, send in your script. Work with actors is probably the most important thing there's loads of actors, like, there's loads of actors who are training now, say, in, in the Gacy, um or, or one of the other schools who, you know, they, I mean, that's what they do, they love, they love reading scripts, they love reading new scripts, that'll help you work through, you know, your ideas, uh, it helps them as well, they're interested, so there's definitely, like, I've always felt that of all the sort of professional communities I've ever met, the acting community is one of the most enthusiastic and you know, passionate and open about these things so i would say in a nutshell get try and contact some actors and uh maybe the artistic director of of, of, of you know a theater yeah. or, or the yeah, new yeah. writing segment because in fairness yeah like something like the abbey have a very good new writing uh, department it might seem a bit daunting to, to just sort of rock up to them with, with your script people do it though yeah um but i uh, my, i suppose my only other piece of advice is keep expectations realistic even even very successful plays don't necessarily have as in successful in terms of the the coverage that they got at the time the reviews they got they don't always have a, uh, a long lifespan in terms of a tour and all of those things so you know i think just do it for yourself do it because you in, enjoy it yeah you know and and, and, and do it uh, try and pursue it until you are as good as you can be. I think, and then the, the other, a lot of the other things aren't in your control to some extent. That's, uh, that's
1: really solid advice.
0: You know, that's really go good. So I'm nearly 40 years old, like if I can't give
1: solid advice at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking the solid advice yeah. that's the hard part. So just to finish up, I've asked everybody, um, have you got any uh, particular influences, any books, any websites any blogs anything that has particularly inspired you over your artistic career yeah um
0: well i think well that one A movable feast or anything any any anything where hemingway talks about his own work is good like he, because as i said just really practical and he's got really good tips you know like one of them is finish at a point at which you know what the next thing is going to be the next thing that's going to happen in your story, you know it, but you don't write it until the following day so that you're starting with it, you know, oh, a yeah. little kickstart. So it's such a simple thing, but like I, I've ever since I read that, I, I, I try and do that and that I think that works well. I've actually got a book just recently and it was only recently published I think it's called like Dryer's English. It's like a copy editor. Um. We, 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 it was Random House pop, uh, Random House publishing. I think it was like he he, he worked as a, uh, as a as an editor there. It's really funny, in terms of it, it's it's basically it's about writing, but it's about writing from you know a sort of a, I guess almost like a stylist a stylistic approach. I mean, it talks about stuff like Oxford commas and all the rest, but it's not it's not like a lecturing type thing. But mm. I I've started to enjoy. Reading a few pages of that because it starts to get me thinking in terms of style, I suppose, and just again going back to the, the craft. Anything from is, an
1: editor's point of view as well. From an editor's
0: point of view, like anything that has you thinking about the craft, for me, removes the pressure of some of the other things, like the writing itself. I I, I think that the creative writing process is challenging because it's it's the most tiring. Element editing is easier, I in my opinion. Um, so I, I I, do think like, so you're sitting there, you're trying to generate new, a new story, new ideas. You, you've kind of filtered out everything else in your mind, and you're sort of chasing this particular s- subconscious thing, yeah it helps for me to, to, to distract myself from that before I sit down because it's kind of, you know, it makes me a bit nervous trying to sit down and, and, and do that. Yeah, I um, suppose you're
1: minding your soul.
0: Yeah. It, do you know what? That's, like, that's a good, like, I was, I did one of my favorite quotes is by J.P. Dunleavy and he says that writing is turning your worst moments into money. <laughs> uh, so it is, yeah, like there's an element of that and, and for it to be really good, i think you need you need to offer the reader some vulnerability there or something personal should be hidden in there somewhere that you know you c- they can say well, okay
1: That that is so true because yeah if you think of all the things that you connect with most it like the heart of it is is a vulnerability mm. on, on some to some degree like if it's a film you're watching a book you're reading or yeah a song you're listening to you can you can tell when something is authentic and absolutely you can from the heart not to be cheesy about it but yeah yeah i think that vulnerability is you know you can't just uh sit down and have that i think that comes from Mm. that's the thing that comes from a different place
0: it is and you have to offer it up i think you know like this is this is maybe like uh, as a younger writer i probably you know i probably wouldn't have done that as much But I think I think you learn like that that's really what it's it's all about, like that sort of interaction between a reader or an audience member. And the writer is a sort of a shared feeling or, you know, if people have to understand the the emotion, maybe where something's coming from or the honesty, Uh, like I always love the idea of writing something that I would just be absolutely mortified to invite my friends and family to. Like I think when I do that, <laughs> when I do that, I I will have reached the pinnacle of my my career, you know.
1: Yeah. Is there any people that do that particularly well for you? Do you know what there are? That's a really good question. I'm I'm
0: trying to. Do you know who I always like as a as a well, just as an author? I always liked Tobias wolf Do you remember um this boy's life? He wrote this boy's life. Oh Boy, yes. Made yeah. he, his his writing style is quite like that. Like he doesn't you know he he make. He's not afraid to make himself look foolish, or selfish, or any of those sort sorts of things. Um, I'm trying to think in terms of the theatre. I'm sure there there must be. But yeah, it's I think just people respond to it. Does it, you have to give someone the motivation to actually sit down and, you know, read ten pages a novel, whatever the hell it is, and uh, you know, there's no better re- no better way of getting someone to read something by. And sort of offering up your own sadness and humiliations, you know, it's everyone's interested (laughs) in that.
1: (laughs) A bit of misery, (laughs) yeah, goes a long way. (laughs) It does. That's absolutely true. So on that note,
0: yes, misery. Well, maybe on a happier note, Barry. I I, thanks very much. Thanks, I really enjoyed this a lot. Uh, uh, Enjoyed your podcast. So it's a privilege, privilege to be honest. Yeah,
1: well, it was a privilege to have it. thanks for uh, being so open and honest with your process and your, your ideas you are listening to from the maker to the made podcast